Hey, Journey, it's me again, Chris. Good to see you guys. I'm glad we could be together this morning. Uh, it really is an honor to be with all of you as we gather together on the last Sunday of 2014. Right, that's pretty cool, and we're going to be kicking off our newest series that we're calling Reflect. But before we unwrap, right, Christmas still going, still going. Before we unwrap what a word like reflect might have for us, uh, let, let's actually just pray that God might reveal himself to us in our time together this morning. Let's pray together. God, we thank you again that we can all gather in this place, that we have a, a building to protect us from the snow so that we might have an opportunity to encounter you today. I pray that as we all unwind from this Christmas season that we might be able to just stop for a moment here this morning and put aside whatever might be a distraction, whatever might be in the way of us encountering you, that, that you would speak to us in new, fresh, vivid, life-changing, fulfilling, loving ways, God. Would you open up our hearts and our lives to receive what you have for each one of us specifically and for us as a, a community today? God, I also pray that you would give me your words so that, that I might speak what you have to say, that I wouldn't get in the way of what you want to do or what you have to say or how you might move this morning, but that you would use me and that all of that would glorify you, would make you known, and would bring honor to you, God. We love you so much, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So before you showed up here this morning, probably before you go anywhere in the morning, my guess is you and I have something in common. We all do this. We stop in front of the mirror and we check our reflection, right? Some of you who are less vain than I, you maybe give it like a passing glance. You're like, yep, good, and off you go. Others of you might stand there for a few moments, like make sure everything's good. Like I actually just got caught in the bathroom in front of the mirror, making sure I was all good to go, right? Like I was doing my, my nervous bathroom break and then I was getting myself all fixed up, you know, because I'm worried about what you guys are gonna think about me. And so you're not supposed to laugh at that point. Uh, but, but we all do it, right? We all, we all check our reflection at some point during the day even, uh, maybe not in the morning. And the thing is that when we, we look at our reflection, usually in a mirror, and if we don't like, what we see, we want to do something to change it. We might change it right there, right? Like maybe it's the hair, maybe it's uh, the collar of our shirt, right? Maybe it's less makeup or more makeup. Maybe it's a beard that needs some trimming, a little bit like mine. I'm getting into the neck area, right? Or, or maybe it's a, a pimple that needs popping, Right, like it, it could be a lot of things, but you're like, I'm gonna change it. Maybe, maybe for some of us, we look in the mirror and it's like a body that needs toning, right? Or a, a chin that needs tucking. And, and so we, we like look at the mirror and we figure that out. That's actually why you take your selfies up here, by the way. Like that's free, just so you have that for today. Anytime you take a selfie, get it up high, okay? <laughs> Trust me, you'll look better. Or... Or maybe you look in the mirror and it's something other than our vain tendencies regarding our appearance. Like maybe we actually look in the mirror and we don't like the person we see staring back at us, right? It becomes more of a reflection on our reflection about who we are 
right, about what our lives are about, how we live. And rather than trying to fix it all ourselves, I think reflections like that beg a different kind of question. If we don't like the reflection, if we don't like what's looking back at us, then will we allow God to change that person looking into the mirror, looking into the reflection? Will we allow God to influence how we act or what we believe or or, or who we are? Like, will, will we let that take place if we don't like what we see? And I think in order for us to answer yes to that question, which I think, like, there's something in all of us that wants to say yes to that, but in order for us to do that, I think we need to answer another question first. And, and it's my view that that question that we need to evaluate first and look at first is this idea of what is God like? What is God like? If we're gonna let him change us or whatever that might mean, we kind of wanna know what he's like, right? Because we've probably heard some stories about what God is like. And some of those stories probably don't sound so great. Maybe a little rough, right? A little violent, a little overwhelming, but maybe God's not like that. Maybe God's a little bit more gentle, a little bit more patient than sometimes we give him credit for. So to look at this idea of what's God like, we're going to tackle it together. Here we go. I don't know if you know this, but I think we've established that we're on the same page here. Christmas was three days ago, right? And Christmas is the celebration of baby Jesus, right? Baby Jesus shows up on the scene, little birth, little manger, right? You might remember Mary. She was a virgin, but she still had a baby, so that's wild already, right? And then here's Jesus, and he's in this, in this barn, in this manger, Right in the middle of the night, it's dark, and the shepherds are quaking. Right, like think about that. I mean, I don't know if the guy who wrote Silent Night was there or not, but but the idea of shepherds quaking that's that's kind of different, right? It's it's maybe not all pristine and sweet. Like if it's causing you to shake, there's something going on, right? And then that makes me think that as Jesus shows up on the scene, right, he's birthed. And I don't know the emotions for that. Right, like I don't have any children, but I've heard that the birthing process can be a little bit messy, right? Like that it's not just like super sweet and comfy and nice. And so just think about this. Jesus, I don't know the words for that, sorry. Like Jesus shows up and it's a mess, It's the middle of the night in a barn, right, dark out. Shepherds are quaking, not a whole lot of fanfare. They're away from home. They're actually on the run a little bit because there's a genocide happening in the land. Like, that's how Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus often shows up in the places we least expect him to be. Sometimes that's a manger in Bethlehem in the middle of the night. Right, but that's just what like that, that's the crazy God man that he is, always showing up in places we least expect him to be. And Matthew 1.23 gives an account that I feel like sums this up and, and catapults us into what I have for us today. Here's what Matthew 1.23 says. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here, here's my crazy idea. A little harebrained, a little wild, right? I think that God has a middle name. 
Now, you might have heard me say that before, come across it, some pithy, sane book, right? But I think God has a middle name, right? So if Emmanuel means God with us, what would God's middle name be? With, right? We're ignoring the fact that his last name would never be us, right? But, but let's just say, just, just go with me, pretend for a little bit that God would have a middle name and that God's middle name would be with. God is a God who wants to be with us. He's a God of, and I'm going to make up a word here, withness. Okay, you like that? A God of withness. Can you say that? Good. That was good. Okay, so we made up a word and we gave God a middle name, right? It's getting a little blasphemous up in here, but we'll, we'll clear it out in a little bit, okay? So he, there's this idea, right, of God being with us. This withness of, of who God is and what he's about. And this can actually kind of be defined with this big old theological wor- word that you might have heard before, incarnation. Incarnation. It's probably not a word you throw around in your everyday life and in your conversations. Sometimes in church world it gets tossed around or in seminary and deep theological discussions. But the word incarnation, if you've heard that, right, it, it actually translates as as in flesh. Incarnation is in flesh. And so that it's this idea of God in flesh, right? That God put skin on. And I think sometimes when we hear the word incarnation and we're throwing it around when we're hanging out with our friends or whatever, or we talk about this idea that Jesus would show up on the scene and he would be God with us, we forget how absurd and scandalous that would have been to people at the time Jesus actually shows up on the scene. Like the idea that God would become a man and start out as a little baby boy in a manger in Bethlehem in the dark with no fanfare, like that, that would blow their minds, right? They're, they're thinking of God. And now it's like God, right? This idea that God would come and put skin on would be absurd and scandalous and quite, quite stirring for someone who's going to hear for the first time that Jesus might actually be the son of God. And so this idea of God becoming human, uh, John, the author of the Gospel of John, he, he speaks rather beautifully of this, I think. So we're going to check out what John has to say in the beginning of the book of John. John 1, starting in verse 1. And you will notice that we have no notes page and we have no slides, right? We're going old school. We're kicking it old school. So you can either open up an actual paper Bible, and I know most of us didn't bring one of those, so you can look on your phone or get this. I'm going to read it to you, okay? So you can sit back and relax and I'm going to read it as well, all right? But if you want to follow along, John 1. Here's what it says. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. The who? The word, right? The word. Who, who's the word? Yeah, it's Jesus, right? I, I, I've said this to you guys before, but like, if you don't know the answer, you just shout out Jesus. It's probably right. Okay, or at the very least, people will be like, oh, that person's into it. Yeah, Jesus, right? Like you can shout that at any time and it's okay. All right, so yeah, right? They, they, but, but it's not like just Jesus, right? It's so hard to define 
just Jesus that, that they translate it word, like capital W, right? Because it means so much more than that, right? Because Jesus isn't just Jesus. Jesus is God. And yeah, right? Like, just go with me on that. It's hard to understand. I get it. All right? So in the beginning, the word already existed, right? This is Jesus. This is God. The same thing. And here's how John keeps going. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So leading up to Christmas, we walked through this series that we titled Hope in the Dark. Right? And it all culminated then in this celebration of the light of the world right? over Christmas. The light of the world that hit that point. God with skin on. And we intentionally built into that and then follow it with this idea of, okay, well then what's God like? What's God like? If there's something piercing through the darkness, if there's something going on here, being born, saying light of the world, what does that even mean? What's God like then? John keeps unpacking it for us in verse six. God sent a man, John the Baptist, which is a different John, for those of you keeping score of all the Johns. And he sent John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Now verse 14, for me, is like the one that holds all of this together, right? It's like, it's the big idea, right? It's the thesis of what John's presenting. So here's what he says in verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Right, and so here we find in verse 14 what is, in my opinion, the reason that John's writing this gospel. Because you'd notice that if you were reading the first four books, like the gospel is, the first four gospels, right, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, starts the, the New Testament. So if you're reading that, you'll see that the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have a similar flow, right? They're covering similar information. There's a lot of similarities to them. And then there's John, who decides he needs to do something a little different. And I think verse 14 is the whole reason why he wants to do something different. John's striving to articulate the very essence of the Christian faith, the incarnation, right? He wants us to get this idea that there's this great mystery that God has appeared Right within his own creation, right in the middle of it, as a fully human, as a fully human man to rescue a fallen human race. Here he is, right there. Eugene Peterson, who writes the Message translation, says it probably better than anyone ever. Even John, don't tell John we said that though. Here's what he says: John one fourteen from the Message, the Word became flesh and blood, and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. 
We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Like, isn't that just like God? To go moving all up into your neighborhood, right? But waiting patiently until you would invite him into your house? Isn't that cool? Right, God's in the neighborhood. He's there, he moved, he knew right where you would be. Right, he's at the middle of all that, but he won't come barging into your home. Right, he's waiting for the invitation. He probably wants to have a meal. That'd be my guess. That's what we see throughout scripture. Right, he moves in to the neighborhood. He wants to be with us. And so the opening of John's gospel finishes like this, verse 15. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. And so if we want to know what God is like, it seems to me that Jesus is the truest, fullest reflection of who God is and what God is like. That's what he did, right? God with us. If you want to know what God is like, then you first and foremost look at the person, right? The the flesh and blood of Jesus that is quite literally God in the flesh. God in the flesh. And this is like the witness to the core, isn't it? God in the flesh, the witness. So if you're ever wondering where God is in your life, if you're ever in one of those moments where you're crying out, God, where are you? What's going on? My guess is he's with you in the center of it all. He's right there in the neighborhood. Right? He's like looking over the shrubs like, I've been here all along. I moved into the neighborhood a long time ago. Let me in. Let me in. If you want to know where God is, well, he's in the neighborhood, and he's in the middle of it all. He's at the center of things. And sometimes when we're asking those questions of where are you, God, right, we can get hopeless. But to be hopeless is not to be doomed. Right? That's not the same thing. Like the the incarnation, right, God in the flesh says that love, God himself, comes down with or without our consent, right, with or without our desire, with or without our expectation. And again, it would seem to me that Jesus often just shows up in the places where we least expect him to be because he wants to be with us. So we thought that place maybe would be a place where we could get rid of him. He shows up there too. Right? Or maybe he shows up on a dark night in a barn with no one around. Right? But it seems to me that Jesus often shows up in the places we least expect him, with or without our consent. And so if we want to know what God is like, I think he's like this. God with us. Think God's middle name says it all. And it's all about this idea of withness. And if you're anything like me, which actually hopefully you're not, 
Hopefully you're just uniquely you. But if you have some similar experiences to me, right, I grew up in, in the church, I grew up in Christianity, and there was this pressure to be a witness, right, to, to witness all the time. So like once you make a decision to, to follow Jesus or, or that's what your life would be about, then you've got to be a witness. And I think sometimes we put all this pressure on this idea of being a witness because a witness seems to need all the right answers to have to have things figured out for themselves, have to be able to explain things. And I think this idea of witness removes all the pressure for me. Like I can go and be with someone and love them like Jesus without having all the answers. Right, like to sit with someone who's in mourning to sit with someone who's suffering, to be with someone who's hurting, and just to say, I'm with you, I love you. You don't have to have the answers. Sometimes that's the greatest ministry we can do is just to be with people. That's something we can do. That's something we can be, and we see that modeled in Jesus' own life. right? Because if Jesus had just shown up, God with skin on him, he started barking out orders, right? telling you to do this, act like this, be like this, do this but he wasn't with the people, nobody would have cared. Right? He was with them first and foremost, which allowed him to speak into their lives, which allowed them, allowed him to have something worthwhile to say. And I think that's what we get to do too. And so it seems to me that, that of course God would start there too. God would start with withness at the core, coming down to be with us in the form of his son and now in the form of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is who God is. Many of our lives reflect this very thing. But how amazing would it be if we all began to reflect such an all-inclusive, shows up anywhere and everywhere type of love and living that models and imitates that of Jesus God with us, God with skin on, who's always showing up in the center of it all. Let's go ahead and set our stuff aside. Not that you have any stuff, I suppose. And we can take a a moment here. And I just want to give you some space to reflect on a God who is with us right now. Who a God a God who's in our midst here. Perhaps you can take a few moments and you can welcome him, sit with him, thank him, love him, or just be with him. Take that time and I'll close us here in a few.
as you continue to reflect with God, let me just speak over us a little bit. When we speak about the incarnation and this idea of God with us, I think the, the goal for Jesus was the crucifixion, right? The cross that then serves as a, a key revelation of Jesus and who he was and is. And when we start to get that picture, it's then we realize that in Jesus, God has come to dwell with us and share our human story. Like even the parts of our human story that are most painful. Because I think the truth is for many of us, we're rarely concerned with whether God is with us in the good times, in the moments worth celebrating. And so it's just so powerful to think and to know that God was not sitting in heaven looking down at Jesus' life and death and cruelly allowing his son to suffer. God was not looking down on the cross at all. God was hanging from the cross. God had entered our pain and our loss and death so deeply and took it all into God's own self that we might know who God really is. God will go to extreme lengths to say to us, I am with you. And that's so powerful. I, I want to even just offer up an opportunity for those of us who maybe haven't opened up our house and let God in. God's in the neighborhood. He's been knocking. He's been pursuing, but we haven't let him in. I want to give you an opportunity to cross that line of faith today. And so if that's you, if that's where you're at, you can just pray along in the, the quiet of your own heart a prayer that would go something like this. God, today is the day I give you control of my life. I thank you that you're a God who at your core wants to be with me and that you prove it through your son Jesus when he comes to earth and he walks and lives as a man and he goes to the cross and he dies on the cross and is raised to new life so that I might have a way to have a relationship with you. God, would you forgive me for my sin, for the times I've turned my back on you, for the times I've done wrong. And would you make me new today, God? Would you make me new? I'm giving you control of my life. And we say this all the time around here, but we don't think there's anything more important or that carries more weight than choosing to follow Jesus to let him into your house, to cross the line of faith. And it's such a big deal that we ask that you would just share that with us, not to embarrass you, but to celebrate with you. And so if that was you, would you just be so bold as to, to slip your hand up and make eye contact with me? And that'd be you saying, yeah, today I'm, I'm all in to follow Jesus. You can do that now. Yeah, see you. God, we praise you for those who would choose to cross over into new life with you. Only you can do that, God. And God, we praise you for being at your core, a God who wants to be with us, who loves us so much 
that you'll go to extreme lengths to show us how much you love us. God, I pray that for all of us in this room, all of those within the hearing of my voice, that we would leave today and we would hold tightly to the promise that you are with us, that we would not forget that and that we would, if we wonder where you are, we would remember that you show up in the middle of our stuff all the time. You're a God who moves in to the neighborhood. Continue to change us. Continue to help us be more like you. We love you. May it all be for your glory. In your name.